At the age of 16, Dixie Melillo got kicked out of school for being pregnant. She eventually went back to school, got a medical degree, and became a general surgeon. Fast forward to 1986, when Dr. Melillo, alongside Dorothy Gibbons, co-founded the Rose Breast Center of Excellence. To this day, they've served a million women regardless of their ability to pay. During this flashback episode, we dive into breast cancer prevention as well as diabetes and Alzheimer's disease. We also had a passionate discussion about diet and exercise. And even though she is a doctor, we both encourage you to see your physician before trying anything mentioned in this conversation. One more thing. The Rose has their very own podcast called Let's Talk About Your Breasts. So once you hit play on this episode and listen all the way through because it's amazing, you can hit subscribe on The Rose's podcast wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Hi, I'm Ed Sheeran. This is Bruno Mars. Hey, it's Katy Perry. This is your man Flo Rida with Freddie Cruz. This is AJ Mitchell with Freddie Cruz. Freddie Cruz. Freddie Cruz. Tell you she go pick Mr. 305 and you already know what it is. My name is Freddie and it's time to cruise through HT. Things have changed since you and Dorothy started The Rose back in 1986. What is one thing that has remained consistent? We are passionate about providing access to care. Um, I think we've made headway. We've made great strides. We, uh, we've navigated the system, but it still has a long way to go. It's still very, very difficult to access a system in a timely fashion before the cancer has already spread and it's too late. So our goal is to keep, keep growing, keep providing access, uh, which Dorothy's done an awesome job with the big mobile coaches we have, yeah. reaching places that would never be reached if, it hadn't, you know, if we didn't go to them. And we just you know, provide care for all of these people that we can. And something I learned about, I learned a lot in recording two interviews between you and Dorothy uh, about the Rose's origin story, but also, also uh, about what you're doing with patients who come through and handing out papers. And so you talk about how this, the process is not, it's not fast enough because uh, one month from what I gather, can make all the difference in the world. So let's talk about the flyers and how things are in the community with regards to uh, improving and, and prevention of something like this. So that when they come and see you, it's not, it's not bad news. We're trying to reach the communities that really think, well, if it doesn't hurt, you know, I don't need to look into it. And one thing we really have to educate people is cancer doesn't hurt. And cancer is happening to very young people now. We have seen several uh, cancers eating out through the skin in young people, which just means that they've neglected it. They didn't have the money to spend, and so it gets away from them. Okay, so I'm, sorry, I'm sorry to interrupt. You said uh -huh. eating out through the skin? Yes, sir. Your breast will become a hard rock first, and then it yeah. eats out through the skin, and it starts to bleed. Oh, gosh. It cannot be ignored. And it doesn't hurt. Still, they say. You know, I say, why didn't you have this looked at? It didn't hurt. Oh, geez. Yes. That's got to be a high threshold for pain because of... It doesn't hurt. It seriously doesn't hurt. Oh, it really it actually really doesn't. It really doesn't hurt. Oh. oh. 
That is mind-boggling. I would give anything if cancer hurt because everybody comes in for breast pain, which is usually fluid in the ducts, Mm -hmm. but nobody comes in for this large mass that doesn't hurt. Mm -hmm. It's heartbreaking. Yeah, it is. And what's especially heartbreaking about it is that these are, these are moms and grandmas and aunts and, and, and it doesn't have to be somebody that's a grandmother age. Oh, mercy, no. No, th- yeah. this is happening to, yeah, so I want to- had a 23-year-old just last week, so. Oh, jeez. Well, I want to I talk about that because conventional wisdom suggests that once you turn the magical age of 40, that is when you go in for your screening unless it's genetic, and so you're talking about the 23-year-old uh, that's getting it. What, are we just, is it because the technology behind detecting a positive diagnosis, is it because the technology is better so you're diagnosing more younger people or are we just that unhealthy? Unfortunately, we are that unhealthy. Mm. And since the pandemic, we have seen an epidemic of cancer, especially in young people. If you really look into the way cancer works, everybody makes cancer cells. Cancer cells are just cells that are damaged. The, to be technical, the mitochondria cannot make energy. So the only thing this cell can do is to eat sugar and divide. It undergoes, undergoes only glycolysis. And we've known that since 1934 when Otto Warburg showed us this. Um, now, most of the time, if everything's in balance, your immune system is out surveilling the area and it says, oh, that's a damaged cell. And it will engulf that cell, recycle the parts, make it into a new cell with new mitochondria, and use it again. I like that the body recycles. I'm all for recycling. But it's the problem lies when you get out of balance, okay? Mm. This delicate balance between, you know, these damaged cells mm-hmm. and the immune system eating them is overcome by introducing large amounts of sugar into the system, which... During the pandemic, you know, everybody talks about, I've gained 20 to 30 pounds Uh because they stay home and they eat. And what they eat is not vegetables and nutritious things. It is high-carbohydrate, highly processed food with a lot of sugar. Sugar also paralyzes the cell. The cell that eats the cancer cell has little holes in it for vitamin C to enter, okay? Inside this this cell. Okay, and I'm sorry. I want to I, I want to backtrack. Okay. So the cell eats the holes. The immune, the immune cells the that immune kill cells cancer. Oh, that kill cancer. These guys have vitamin C in them. They okay. have little receptacles for vitamin C all in them. Okay. When there's too much sugar in the bloodstream. Okay. These the sugar takes the place of the vitamin C, and the <sighs> cell can no longer kill a cancer cell for four to five hours after a very large carbohydrate meal. Your immune system won't fight cancer. It won't fight viruses. It won't fight anything. It's just paralyzed for a while until it gets rid of the sugar, gets its vitamin C back. So does so, does that have anything to do with why on days like Thanksgiving we go into a food coma because there's the body is overloaded. <laughs> it's overloaded. It's literally got too much crap. 
that, but the tryptophan from the turkey does it too. But anyway, <laughs> yes. But you'll notice anytime you eat a high carbohydrate meal, you yeah. get sleepy. I mean, it just huge as baked potato yeah, might do that, yeah, or whatever. Yeah, any kind of starchy, you know, high carb, and and the processed food is so dangerous because everything has added sugar, added sugar, and they have so many names that they call sugar to confuse you. Yeah. You know, I mean, they make a fortune off these processed foods because they'll keep forever. 80% of your immune system, the guys that fight cancer, the guys that fight viruses, bacteria, are in your intestines. They're in your colon. These immune cells line your colon, okay? Now, if you are continuously eating and you are eating things that contain Roundup, Roundup is a biggie and people need to know about it. Okay, they cover your wheat, your soy, and your corn with Roundup before they harvest it to keep it from molding. Mm-hmm. If you eat a slice of bread, you are eating Roundup. Now the government says, "Oh, it's too many, not very many parts per million." No, but it adds up. You can detect Roundup in most people's blood. Roundup is a carcinogen, yeah. and the immune system it kills the good bacteria in your colon, that make your immune system. So it's, you know, we have, we have so gotten out of our delicate dance, to, you know, to remain healthy. 85% of the diseases that we treat now are caused by lifestyle, food, and inactivity. And that's a big one for me, is inactivity. And I get that we are in the information age. I will sit at my desk for a few hours working on audio, editing the Roses podcast, which is amazing, by the way. <laughs> but it takes, it, takes, um, it takes conscious effort to get my rear end up, take my doggo for a walk. Even if it's just 10 or 20 minutes, to break up the sitting and slouching and forget what it does to your posture and stiffen, stiffening up your muscles. It's, let, me, let me tell you how to fix that. Get you a stand-up desk. I need to. <laughs> I have. If you go back into my office, I never sit. I do everything at a stand-up desk. Mm-hmm. And I walk endlessly to see 20 or 30 patients a day to one room and another. I never sit down. Sitting all day has a higher all-cause mortality than smoking. You might as well smoke as to sit down all day. Okay, that's a pretty bold statement. And it's I've, true. You're not the first person that I've heard say that, and I've read that in more than one article online. Good, so then can, stand up. <laughs> <laughs> can, we talk, can we talk more about that? Because when I think smoking, you obviously think, well, it's tobacco mm-hmm. with... 30, Rat poison. 30% and, of all the cancers are caused by smoking. Yeah. When you're moving, the tumor-killing cells and the immune cells circulate better. When you are sitting, your circulation slows down. They are not carried to all of the parts they need to be to. So that's why exercise is crucial. That's why standing and moving is crucial. And I mean, there are volumes written, and the most important thing you can ever do is to take care of the bacteria in your colon, the 30 trillion bacteria that lives there because they, 
They make the serotonin and dopamine, which make you calm. Mm-hmm. Okay? They provide you with the immune system. They do everything. They absorb your vitamins and minerals. They're, they're the most important thing in your body, and we abuse them with toxins constantly. And sugar is a toxin. It's, sugar is toxic to the mitochondria. It will kill the mitochondria of a cell. How much sugar will kill, I guess, however many mitochondria? I imagine we have trillions of mitochondria. We do. Yeah, no, we do. And, you know, people that, and, and I would never want to get crazy about this, but, you know, I mean, like if I wanted to, I mean, you know, I could go out and eat a high sugar meal and that wouldn't hurt me. I've, I've done this so long, I've lost my taste for it. Nothing, <laughs> bread tastes nasty. I just could care less about anything with sugar, but it's not going to hurt you to do it once in a while. When you say once in a while. I mean, once a week, if you want to go out to dinner and eat something just normal, do it. Mm-hmm. You know, now basically what I do, intermittent fasting is another thing that absolutely is crucial to our health. Now, yes. Not, not if you're insulin dependent and diabetic, okay, because then you're going to crash your own sugar and cause problems. But for normally healthy people, and always ask your doctor, you know, always ask your doctor about this, but giving your gut a rest, Okay, like no calories till noon. That improves your immune system tremendously. And and what I do basically is I don't eat anything till noon, and then at noon I eat something that looks like food, not something that comes in a box or a bag. Yeah, I maybe have some salmon and an avocado. You know, in the afternoon I have berries or something, and in the evening I'll have a big salad or vegetables and chicken or fish. You know, it's not a diet; it's a lifestyle. But it always looks like food. I can recognize it as something that used to be a plant or an animal, not something that all the the grain has been beaten out of it and you have a white powder that they make poison out of, you know? <laughs> Bread is poison. It's just poison. <laughs> now, I, I won't tell you once in a while I don't go to the, yeah. to the donkey restaurant and have my share of chips and tortillas and I, you know, but that's, it's, it's, it's like alcohol. Yeah. And the leading cause of cirrhosis now is sugar. It is not alcohol. You told me that before we hit record, and that is mind-blowing. It is. It we is, have children on yeah. the liver transplant list. They have fatty liver now, which proceeds to, you know, everybody talks, oh, I have fatty liver. Well, that's the first step to cirrhosis, Tony. you got to quit. Yeah. you got to quit doing that. Alcohol and sugar are metabolized exactly the same by the liver. And if you overload them, they will kill the liver. Now, sugar, just like alcohol, I mean, you can have a few drinks on the weekend. It ain't going to hurt you. Come on. But yeah. you cannot get drunk every day or you will kill your liver. You cannot abuse sugar every day or it will kill your liver. And when when I hear you say these things about sugar and alcohol, and then I just think margaritas and daiquiris and all these sweet fruit drinks and then people that are you know guzzling that's the double way i mean that's the, really yeah. bad yeah try to stick to light beer <laughs> i mean good grief <laughs> i know that's a double whammy on yeah. your liver. and it makes me regret some of the decisions i've made when i was in my 20s and early 30s and now you know as i'm in my late 40s now i don't really drink at all but two three years ago um it would take me about a month to get through one single six pack. And then I saw a study about how drinking even moderately will increase your risk of stroke and heart disease. And I'm like, all right, that's enough. I don't think I need to drink anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Well, listen, 
when I think of my past, I'm amazed I've made it to 76. So, you know, (laughs) the body has an incredible, incredible ability to repair itself and regenerate itself. Yes. But you can't overdo it. You know, you can't abuse it too much for too long or there's consequences. You know, and I think... Everybody needs to do things, and you can't even do it in moderation. You need to do it in limited, limited quantities. Okay, and we just we are a nation of excess. You know, we eat too much, we we sleep too much, we or we don't sleep enough. Sleeping is crucial to regenerating your brain. Just like having this intermittent fasting, yes, is crucial to regenerating your immune system and the good cells in your colon, which absorb nutrients. Yeah. You know, and that's why I'm on a campaign. I have little handouts I have made about sugar and cancer and prevention, and I hand them to every single patient I see at the Rose because my population, God bless them, the ordinary people like me who are, you know, I have a medical background, and that's the only reason I know. If I were living in, my, in the environment of my relatives and my family, no one would be aware of this. So I'm, I mean, I'm doing this for my, for my cleaning ladies, my hairdressers, my restaurant workers. They'll never get this information that you're killing yourself with this stupid food. And so they're the people I'm trying to reach. You know, I'm trying to educate them. And I realize that most of these people are going to throw this away and never read it. But if I could just say one or two people... And I asked him, please, put it on your social media. Make a campaign. You know, nobody knows this, and nobody's going to tell you. The food industry is making way too much money to tell you. The pharmaceutical industry is having a ball treating your symptoms. They, there's not one medicine that cures Alzheimer's. 80% of Alzheimer's is caused by sugar. Come on, we've got an epidemic of Alzheimer's. There's going to be, you know, memory care centers on every corner. The reason I got started on this, honestly... About 15 years ago, was my parents, both of them, got Alzheimer's. And these are brilliant people, you know, who never did a thing wrong in their life except that every meal was potatoes, corn, and bluebell ice cream, you know. And some meat beat beyond recognition with this little hammer my mother used to beat with. <laughs> but, you know. I tenderize it. The thing is, I, they didn't drink, you know. They didn't, they didn't smoke. They ate a lot and they were overweight, but I didn't, I just saw no reason for both of them. Some, you know, one day they couldn't remember each other's names uh, and then they couldn't walk because it, it progresses down to your, your balance center in the cerebra- cerebellum. And then they became incontinent and they had diapers and they lived with me for three and a half years and they both died in my bed. Mm-hmm. And I, this made an incredible impression upon me. I said, you know, Number one, I don't want to go there. So yeah. I started looking at the genetics of this, you know, and major research shows even if you carry the genes for Alzheimer's, it will not express itself if you don't poison yourself with sugar. What, what Alzheimer's basically is, is it's insulin resistance of the brain. You know, like diabetics become insulin resistant. Because you eat too much sugar, it puts out too much insulin. And then the cells say, no, no, I don't want any, I can't take any more insulin. No, don't, no, I'm not going to touch your insulin. Well, the brain does the same thing. The brain, when the sugar's everywhere, but the brain is insulin resistant, so it can't pull the sugar in and use it. And it just, they have beautiful CAT scans done of how the brain is just 
Shutting down, shutting down, shutting down. Well, the brain can use ketones. And they have awesome studies showing that they have taken some of these advanced patients that there's no hope for them. And some that really there is, you know, hope for. Put them on a keto diet. Absolutely got rid of the sugar in the diet. And the bre- you can see the brain on these scans start to light back up. And their memories start to come back. And they start to be able to interact on ketones. I mean, this is awesome research that's being done. And Alzheimer's is basically diabetes of the brain. Do you realize sugar is a poison? I'm trying to tell these people. That. Yeah. And my parents would just, oh, my mother wanted butterfingers, butterfingers, butterfingers. <laughs> I cleaned those little wrappers out of her little gowns until I was blue in the face, and she would sneak and get them. And my daddy, God bless him, if there was anything sweet on the table, he wouldn't even be looking at it. But that little hand would crawl toward it like a mag. They just want, they craved sugar. Yeah, how I, and it's a hard one because it tastes really really delicious. Sugar is eight times more addictive than heroin. It hits a place in the brain called the opioid receptor, and it lights it up just like heroin. In fact, these big food companies, they have CAT scanners that they monitor which one of their foods hits that opioid receptor better. Mm. The cereals, the, you know, Mm -hmm. all of these things that they make for breakfast for your children. Quote, unquote, breakfast. <laughs> yeah. Just a sugar rush that makes you hungry by 1030. And then, the, and you know, in school are feeding way, way too much sugar and carbohydrates. It fuels attention deficit. We never had attention deficit when I was a kid. You didn't pay attention, you get smacked, you know? <laughs> Come on, there wasn't no. And now these children, they, 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 they move around like they've got ants in their pants because they, they the, the, you know, the sugar's just making them crazy and they can't focus. Mm-hmm. We're killing our children. It seems, Dr. Melillo, like the odds are stacked against us because it, it's one thing to listen to us talk about nutrition and diet and say, all right, I'm going to wean myself off once a week. Fine. But you look at Wheat bread, you look at barbecue sauce, you look at ketchup, you look at X, Y, Z, pick, pick whatever food or, or whatever you think might be healthy, and it's got added sugar. My favorite barbecue sauce in the whole wide world is Ernest Hemingway barbecue sauce, the <laughs> Cuban version. It's got added sugar. I think it's 10 or 20%. Don't quote me on that if you're listening, but it's got more oh, it is. more than 10% added sugar. sugar. Yeah. and One slice of whole wheat bread will raise your blood sugar more than the Snickers bar. Might as well have the it's, Snickers. Yeah. <laughs> if I'm going to sin, I'm going to sin big, you know? <laughs> no, you are absolutely right. It's everywhere. Yeah. And honestly, um, it's hard. Yeah. It's hard. But you have to, you have to decide like everything else, what, what, what is worth it for you? For me, it's, now, you know, Maybe once every two or three months, I'll go have, you know, I'll have barbecue. You know, my husband makes a great barbecue sauce. But I don't, you know, I don't do it very often. Yeah. Your, your, your body can recover from any kind of abuse if you don't, you know, it, it's like dose-related. You know, it, sugar is a do, dose-related poison that builds up. Sugar 
costs us more than any narcotic. It, it's costing us a whole lot more than fentanyl. It's costing us more than, than heroin. It's costing us more than any other poison. The healthcare system is truly going to collapse under care of these chronic inflammatory metabolic illnesses. And you know, right now, healthcare is just not very dandy if you've tried to access, even with insurance. It's just like, you know, 12 minutes, one problem, or you get charged extra, and the co-pays are crazy, and most people, if you can afford the insurance, you can't afford the, the deductible. This is, we're going down this place we don't want to go. And our enemies are laughing at us because it's like, oh, well, yeah, they're taking themselves out. Absolutely. So let's say sugar, obviously more addictive than drugs, like recreational drugs. Not that you would want to even take a recreational drug to begin with, but let's say, all right, Dr. Dixie, I am going to turn over a new leaf, but I also still want to live. You talk about sinning big. I want to go and have a huge double cheeseburger and French fries. Um, can we treat the moderation the way somebody would treat under your, let's pretend for a minute that you're my doctor. And so I, this is Freddie. This is not even Freddie. This is Alfred asking Dr. Melillo, turning over a new leaf. I got rid of drinking. I drink maybe moderately. If I had a quote unquote bad meal, maybe once or twice a week, three times a week, but I'm intermittent fasting. I have the yogurt. It's the Greek kind with very little sugar. I have plenty of fruits, vegetables, um, hummus, chicken, no beef. Maybe I can count on less than a few fingers how many times I'm having beef per month. Is that okay? You're asking me, can you get away with it? Can I get away with it? Or <laughs> would you recommend even more? Like, like you know, okay, it's good. It's a start, but you should... Throw it down. Okay. Alfred? Yes. You. Yes. You are metabolically healthy. Mm. I can pretty much tell by looking at people, you know, <laughs> what, what their metabolic state is. Okay. You can probably get away with it. Probably is the you know, key word. Probably. And you know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie to you. I I go out and now I I don't even go every week, but you know, every couple of weeks we'll go out and, and you know, have a nice meal and I'll drink a beer or two. Very low carb beer. One but or two I, is what she said. One or two is what I she do. said. Yeah, I do. Yeah, and if I want to, I do it. Yeah, but I'm very metabolically healthy, and my body can take hits like that. Mm -hmm. Now, I think for the people that I'm really trying to reach, who are obese, diabetic, they should not try to get away with it. Mm. They should really get into a good metabolical health. Mm -hmm. Then you know. The body can, it can take a few hits. It just cannot take repeated chronic poisoning when it's in that state already. And, and the biggest problem we have is that obesity is socially acceptable. I wanted, I yes. Mean, alcoholics, oh, 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 we don't want alcoholics around. Oh, don't serve them alcohol. But these huge, obese, metabolically sick people will be sitting in these restaurants killing themselves with these gigantic meals. Can you be healthily obese? Absolutely. Okay. Sumo wrestlers are the healthiest people in the whole world. If the fat is on the outside of the body, 
Okay. When you start getting fat around your intestines mm. and in your liver, mm-hmm. you're in trouble. Intestines and which, liver. Which is most, have you seen the big, well, we used to call them beer guts. Now they call them, I think, dad bods or something <laughs> where they got this, you know, the normal size person, but they got this great big gut. I feel like I, yeah, I feel like I've got a dad bod. Oh, but. <laughs> nonsense. Yo, no. But uh, men and women, if you look like you're expecting, mm-hmm. well then expect diabetes, liver failure, Alzheimer's, chronic disease, Heart disease, expect it, because it's going to happen. And what's the common denominator? Sugar. Yep. Sugar, fructose sugar. It's killing us, man. Triglycerides. When when the liver sees too much sugar floating in the blood, you know, oh, oh, we got to get the sugar out of the blood, because if not, it brings in too much fluid, and, and, and it'll, it'll, you know, cause seizures. You know how diabetics will get seizures when their blood gets too high, or the sugar gets too high. So the liver tries to protect the blood, and it sucks in the sugar, and then it wraps it in fat, and it calls it triglycerides, and it pushes it back out into the bloodstream. Well, the triglycerides don't have that osmat- osmotic draw of fluid, and the triglycerides are easier to stuff into fat cells. And weight. And they eat up the little arteries, and they make plaques, and they narrow their arteries, and they cause heart attacks and strokes, and they cause your legs to go numb because you have no blood flow. Do you see who the enemy is? Yeah. And autoimmune diseases. Autoimmune is caused by leaky gut. Sugar eats holes in your colon. The poisons from your colon get out into your bloodstream. Your immune system says, oh, my God, we're being invaded. Oh, 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 oh. And it mounts this enormous response, and it overreacts, and it starts eating you. And it causes skin lesions and eczema and rheumatoid arthritis and sarcoid and lupus. And it start, you attack yourself. Say that part about sugar eats holes in your colon. Leaky gut. That's what leaky gut. I've heard the term leaky gut. And it makes sense now that it would cause this kind of thing because you alluded to the 30 trillion cells in the when gut. When you do not feed the 30 trillion cells, okay, when you do not feed them what they need, mm-hmm. they destroy them. They start eating you. They eat the mucus layer off of the colon. Oh, gosh. And that is leaky gut. And it also makes sense that when you are healthy that you say to intermittent fast because your brain is delegating to other areas of the body. So the, so the second brain can get some rest and repair and repair, 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 repair. Yeah. It can't repair if the toxins are coming down there every five minutes. Yeah. Yeah. So we're, we're, I want to piggyback on, uh, intermittent fasting because you eat at 12. Mm-hmm. There's a neuroscientist whose podcast I listen to. Shout out to Andrew Huberman. He uh, does the same. I think his time is between 10 and 11. But when I heard you talking to Dorothy about not eating until 12, um, it blew my mind. I'm like, all right, we got a neuroscientist. We got a general surgeon who helps women uh, in a breast care facility this is what I need to do if I don't want to be hooked up on machines. Uh, and that's one piece of the pie. But I want to know what else 
do you wish people understood about their bodies, but especially your people who you serve within the breast cancer community? Well, I think the lack of exercise is a killer, okay? I'm 76. I get up at 3.30 in the morning. I work out for an hour on the elliptical from 4 a.m. to 5 a.m. I listen to these podcasts so that I can come to work and annoy my co-workers. But but, I mean, the information is out there. Yeah. You have got to move. If you do not, there's complicated pathways that my people would never you know, the, the mTOR and the AMP kinase, things that cause cells to grow. I'm sorry, what are those? Those are pathways that are activated if, uh, whether, if you move, you know, and you use energy, then you, the cancer cells aren't stimulated to grow. There's only one cell in the body that never becomes insulin resistant. One, a cancer cell. You cannot make a cancer cell insulin resistant when the rest of your body cannot take up any insulin that cancer sucks it right off the top. And we all have them, whether or not it's hereditary. Oh, or have We them. have, like, have everybody them. has. In, in fact, they're really finding out genetics are not playing near as important a role. We, we really got so, we, we spent bazillions of dollars chasing the genetic rabbit hole. And now, I mean, we have people, even the worst BRCAs, okay, one and two, if they make lifestyle, 20% of them never get cancer. Now, why? They got the gene. It's sitting there, smoking gun. Why do they not get cancer? Because they don't trigger it and they don't feed it. You know, and, and genes are, I'm not, I'm not saying they're not important. If you've got them, yeah. Just like I, I probably got the, I don't think I, I think my parents' dementia was totally, you know, food related. But even if you've got the gene, insulin is a great, um, there's some really interesting stuff done by Lewis Cantley in the early 2000s. And he detected this P13 kinase receptor on the cancer cells that suck in, that, that keep it blocked open so that the insulin can always get the sugar in, you know? And uh, he's a genius. I mean, he's, he, and he even said, I'm, I'm afraid of sugar. But he showed how the cancer cells will prefer- preferentially always take up sugar. They're reverting to a primitive cell, okay? When, a long time ago, we were a unicellular unicellular organism Mm -hmm. and this bacteria that's running around here that we now call mitochondria they decided to get with us this unicellular thing because they could produce energy where all we could do as a unicellular organism all they could do was eat sugar and divide well when the when the unicellular organism engulfed this bacteria called mitochondria then the mitochondria started producing energy atp and then the cell didn't just sit there and eat sugar and divide. He could build things. He could build muscles and bones and movement and animals. And so, you know, it's, it's a symbiotic relationship. When the, the elegant studies have been done about in a cancer cell, you know, if it's truly genetic, if you take the nucleus out of a cancer cell and put it into another cell, like an embryo, embryonic cell, mm-hmm. it doesn't make cancer. But if you take the mitochondria out of a cancer cell and you put it into a, another cell, that cell gets cancer because the mitochondria doesn't work and it has to revert to making sugar and dividing. It's, it's a beautiful dance. Contagious. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. And it's wonderful. And, you know, the, the, the addiction that we have to sugar 
is good and it's normal and it was given to us because that's how we survived in winter. We were addicted to go out and get the honey and the berries and the, like the bears do. To, we had to put on fat because, so we could make it through the winter. Yeah. Unfortunately, now there's no winter. All we're doing is storing the berries and the honey and the fruit, and we're getting bigger and bigger, and there's no winter, and we are telling our bodies to grow, and what they grow is not always good. I, and I don't get disappointed. When my patients come back each year and they're bigger and they're bigger, I'll tell them, I'm going to tell you this again, I love you dearly. No matter if, you, if you're bigger next year, I'll still love you, but I'm just, I want you to think about this. This book, The Metabolical by Robert Lustig, I recommend that everybody who cares anything about their health or their body read this book and you will find out how we got into this trouble. The processed food industry started out as a wonderful thing. It was a way to process food and take it to the, to the army people in, in World War II. And it was a way to take people during the Great Depression. They took them this processed food. You can't send an orange, but you can squeeze an orange and freeze it. Well... But then, oh, there was so much money to be made doing this, and yep. there was so little waste, and money always gets people's attention, you know? And so, well, uh, we'll add a little sugar to this, and then they came along, the great fat debacle. That, that it makes me crazier than anything. What's the great fat debacle? Well, <laughs> during the... the 50s, 40s, 60s, people started having a lot of heart attacks. Mm. And everybody said, oh, it's, you know, it's, it's from the fat we eat because you see cholesterol is building up in the arteries, so it's got to be cholesterol, so that comes from fat, okay? So they got rid of all the fat in the food. You probably aren't old enough to remember that everything was fat-free and fat-free. Well, to take, when you take the fat out of food, it tastes like cardboard, so you have to add sugar, so that's how they got to adding sugar. Well, that is when, in the 1990s, it caught up with us, and we started having huge children. And in fact, honestly, because my father, my grandfather had a heart attack at 39. My father had a massive heart attack at 43. He had a quintuple bypass, okay? Whew. My brother died at 50 of a heart attack. His son died at 41 of a heart attack, and there are other members of my family we will unnamed that have had stents and stuff, you know. And, and I'm, I'm telling them, they just don't listen. Yeah. But most of that heart attacks that they blamed on, on cholesterol was caused by smoking because at the same time everybody was smoking. Mm-hmm. When they quit the smoking, the heart attack's gone down. But now the cancer's gone up. So, you know, we're killing our children. We're killing ourselves. But, oh, my goodness, they're making so much money. They can't let this go. And fast. And, you know, my people, my poor people, my people of color, they work all day. They work a 12-hour shift. You want to go home and cook organic vegetables and steam them and make them wonderful? No. It's such a, it's such a hard place to be. But I want yeah. to allow them to have choices because, honestly, you can get a bag of frozen organic vegetables Broccoli, cauliflower, carrots for $1.97. You can steam it for five minutes and you can eat it. Not true. It's not, you know, greasy and, <laughs> and bready. And, but, you know, that's. But I hummus mean, tastes really good too. Yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> hummus is really, I and like it's good kimchi. for you. I mean, I like, 
all of this stuff, you can buy it frozen. Frozen yeah. is not bad. The only processed, and it's not really processed. They pick it at the peak of perfection. They flash freeze it. So it's honestly the best food you can get. It is not put on a truck, handled by about 30 different people with God knows how many germs on their hand, then <laughs> taken to the grocery store, sprayed with ethylene glycol so it'll be green. Mm. I mean, honestly, you're hurting yourself almost with unless you have a farmer's market. Now, if you have a farmer's market and you know these people, they grew it, they brought it, it's there. But you know what? Sugar tastes good. And it's more comfortable to not wake up at 3.30 and get on the elliptical for an hour. And it's mind boggling to me that this is how we have, I say we collectively, society, culture, pop culture, music, TV, the news, commercials. We see all the ads for, oh, well, you can take this to get rid of this problem. By the way, you're going to have all these side effects, one of them being suicide. Oh, but hey, at least your kidney's going to be okay. And so it's mind-boggling to me, Dr. Melillo, that we, are, we have been conditioned, and again, con, uh, collectively speaking, that um, go ahead and have... Go ahead and binge eat. Go ahead and binge watch whatever on TV and don't worry about exercising. You can go out and have a whole pitcher of margaritas twice a week, three pitchers of beer on the weekend, and it and it's okay. But you know, this intermittent fasting puts your brain into ketosis for a short while. Mm-hmm. It, I, I always thought when I was doing surgery, oh, I've got to have breakfast. If I don't have breakfast, I'll get shaky and weak in, in surgery and I can't perform. And so I'd have a big breakfast and then at 1030, I'd go to the doctor's lunch and I'd eat some. <laughs> you never get shaky when you intermittent fast. I've noticed it's that. The, it's the most awesome thing in the world. Yeah. In fact, you get high. The ketones make your brain... <laughs> Everybody accuses me of being falsely happy anyway, but, but they make the brain just, your, your brain gets, gets happy brain, you know? You, you think you can do anything because of the ketones are telling your brain you can, you know? And the hunger you feel is caused by, by, by the ghrelin. It's like, it's a, it's a hormone that says, I'm hungry, but it's not a hungry like, oh, I got, I got to eat or I'm going to die, I'm shaky. It's a hungry like, I'm hungry. Go drink a glass of cold water and it'll be quiet. It only lasts five to ten minutes. And then it'll shut up mm-hmm. and you can keep going and you get this, you get a high that drugs can't give you, you know, you, you, you just get a, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it, but I love it. Me neither. And the best way that I've ever been able to explain how it feels is that I just feel like I feel bright. Mm-hmm. I feel this clarity. Br- yeah. Bright aura almost like a force field around me yeah it's weird it doesn't happen every day no no. but it happens but it's wonderful oh it's it's so good but all because we because we put ourselves through hell you wake up it isn't when when i first heard when i first heard you talk about waking up at 3 30 i'm like my woman. <laughs> <laughs> but that's that's yeah. for your circadian rhythm now i go to bed at 8 30 Oh yeah, you're if you're still I getting plenty of rest. I'm asleep. Yeah. It's not a problem. Yeah. I sleep really well. Yeah. You know? I have no problem sleeping. Yeah. And I'm usually awake by the time the alarm goes off. So it's not really a something I'm making myself do. But yeah. it's just you know, and you know what really keeps me going? I, I see twenty to thirty people a day. And a lot of them are my age. Mm. And oh my God, they're on walkers. They can't get up off the bed without help. They're sick. They, you know, I mean, and I look at, and these people are, 
much younger than I am. And I know that's not what I want for me. It's not what I want for them. So I feel like at least I, I can put it out there. You know, yeah. like I say, you know, everybody's not going to receive it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Funny thing, I was, <clears throat> I talked to God a lot. You know, me and him, we're like buds and everything. And I said, God, I am trying to help these people. I am trying to tell them how they can have a happy, healthy, wonderful life, and they won't listen to me. <laughs> you know what he said? He says, how do you think I feel? <laughs> the story of our lives. Before we wrap up the interview, Dr. Melillo, something else I had learned, I've learned so much from being around Dorothy and the team here at The Rose and getting to know you, especially getting to know you with the two interviews that we recorded. And I do produce their podcast, Let's Talk About Your Breasts. Um, It's that you are the true definition of overcoming the odds. And you were kicked out of high school when you were only 16 because you were pregnant. And now look at you, a general surgeon, helping women get their mammograms, getting them taken care of. So what is your advice for teen moms to be in 2023, seeing as how you beat the odds. Advice to the young women who have children, okay? Not married, in a position. Trust God. Trust God, do good. And education is your ticket, man. Education is your ticket. I, I, I gave a couple of commencement things at this high school in Pasadena. That for It was for people who had children, you mm-hmm. know? And the one thing I told them is, you know, having children is not the end of the world. It's not. Have children, but keep your, get your education. Get your education. Get as much knowledge as you can. Be of some value to the world. There's, you know, and trust God. Oh, my gosh, the stuff he can do, it's really fun. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you got this great advantage, and it's really neat. You yeah. Know? So, yeah, when my book comes out. <laughs> so you want to be a lady surgeon, my journey with God. I'll, I'll send you the first copy. Please, I will take you up on that offer. <laughs> yes, and y'all, uh, you're hearing this today, March 2nd. It is the debut of Let's Talk About Your Breasts. It is the official podcast of the Rose Breast Center of Excellence, co-founded by Dr. Melillo, general surgeon, and Dorothy Gibbons. I am incredibly blessed to have um, come across the two of you ladies and the entire team, and you are truly a blessing to not just Houston, but the world, because you're making a global impact. So thank you for that, and thank you for coming by the podcast. Thank you. Hey, it's me. I'm back with a quick little nudge. If you enjoyed this podcast as much as I did putting it together for you, then please leave a review on your favorite podcast platform and subscribe to the newsletter at cruisethroughhtx.com and share with your family and friends. Thank you.